Welcome back to another episode of Speaking Anarchy. This is your host, Dekta, and I have the wonderful Dr. Karina Woodruff here with me today. She is a board-certified dermatologist and also the founder of her of a very wonderful line that I'm really excited to introduce you guys to, um, Vetted. So welcome to the show, uh, Dr. Woodruff. I'm so excited to host you. Thank you, Dr. Ekta. So excited to be here. Yeah, I'm. you know, I, I know that you have such... Uh, incredible background in medicine and dermatology, and you are an allergy specialist as well under the field of dermatology. So I'm really excited to talk to you and learn from you um, in that regard, in addition to learning all about vetted. But I would love to get us started with um, you telling us about how you got into medicine and why you chose dermatology. And if you could walk us down memory lane, that'd be a great place to start. Yeah. Oh my God. I haven't thought about this in a long time. Um, <laughs> But really, it um, so it I truly it all goes back to when I was a child because I um, I had scoliosis and I had to have major surgery and I was seventeen and it completely changed my life. Um, you know, I it revolutionized everything uh, from that point forward. Um, improved my quality of life, improved pain. I was you know my self esteem, and I realized how powerful medicine can be and what an impact a physician can have. And um, I think I always came back to that. Like I explored a lot of other things in undergrad, but um, I just think it's such a, it's such an honor and privilege to get to have that impact at work. And it it makes me feel um, just like I'm doing something with my life that I'm so, so proud of. It's so meaningful. So um, it was my experience as a patient, and um, I never thought I'd do dermatology. I'd never been to a dermatologist before medical school, but I explored a lot of different things and then actually just um, did a dermatology rotation, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I love diagnosis, and that's a hu- such a huge part of dermatology. You know, it's a visual diagnosis, being able to solve a mystery, um, and that's really how uh, I ended up with the allergy testing because you know, we see so many patients that have eczema and we're giving them topical steroids, we're giving them biologics. And these patients, a lot of times are, you know, they're like, they don't want that. They want to know why, why this is happening. And mm-hmm. I love being able to do that with patch testing and many patients were able to clear them. So it's really fun. It's, it's, um, it's like getting to play detective at work and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, I know. It's a really big topic too, actually. I mean, um, in terms of like just, you know, people reacting to products and I, I know you mentioned patch testing. I think a, I'm still trying to, you know, convince even my own family, like before you try anything, <laughs> you have to try it, you know, somewhere else on your body and, and do a little patch test because, you know, we have so many things out here. So I, I want to learn from you about that because, you know, um, I know with, you know, OTC products, it's something that we, you know, when we trust the founder or we trust the person behind it, we don't really think about it. But a lot of times, as you know, you know, we can be allergic to things that we might not know about, you know. So, like, if you were to tell us a little bit about, you know, um, just allergic reactions that are common in dermatology, I, I, that'd be so beneficial, I think, to myself and everyone listening just to understand, you know. Yeah, what we can so do. contact dermatitis 
um, is really, uh, it's a very interesting topic. Um, it's incredibly common. One in five people at some point in their lifetime will develop an allergic reaction to something that they're putting on their skin. Um, yeah. And it's also super underappreciated. So I, I think even amongst doctors, a lot of people don't think about this. And it's, you know, it's very different than say peanut allergy, which those types of allergies are IgE mediated, usually develop within the first two years of life. So you're like, okay, I'm good with peanuts. I'm good. It's a little bit different, uh, different with allergic contact dermatitis. Um, these reactions are delayed reactions that happen when your skin is exposed to chemicals that your T cells recognize. And repeated exposure to these chemicals that are sense, we call, we call sensitizers. Um, they're chemicals that, you know, your body can cause allergic reactions in the body eventually causes your T cells to recognize those chemicals. And then you get an allergic reaction every time you're exposed to the chemical, but the likelihood of that happening actually increases with age. Um, and so I think that's something most people take for granted that everything that we're putting in our skin, you know, the fragrances, the preservatives, emulsifiers, the metals we put on our skin, um, every time it touches your skin, um, it's an opportunity to interact with your immune system. And at some point in your life, you may become allergic. You may be one of those one in five people. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's the thing that's so interesting to me about the the skin is this, um, the immune response of the skin, you know, because like, um, as you said, it's so different. And, you know, if, I'm not a dermatologist, but, you know, in my, my expert, you know, my field, I always hear about the, you know, the other types of allergies, like you said, peanuts and, you know, very acute reactions. Um, yes. And it's, I think for consumers, like, um, we all really need to understand, like, you know, what is it that could trigger an allergic reaction for us in, derm you know, from a dermatology standpoint? Because sometimes I'm not going to lie to you, Dr. Wood, if I go on to like Reddit or these forums and I'm seeing a lot of people are breaking out or they, it looks like they're breakouts, you know, but like it makes you wonder, like, was that like an allergic reaction? And I think the other day, actually, um, I saw a video of a young lady and she was saying that because she had been using a moisturizer. That she didn't like know was causing this. She she was using it for months and months, and she had these like really bumpy, like just really coarse skin, you know, like rough skin, little bumps. And she said, "I had no idea that this was an allergy. I thought it was just my skin. You know, I thought I had little breakouts everywhere all the time." And she said, "I switched my moisturizer, and it went away." So that's where I'm like really interested to get your your point of view on this. Is like, what can we do? You know. Um, to make sure that we're not creating this kind of cycle or how can we recognize, you know what I mean? If we're allergic versus we have some sort of uh, infection or something. Yeah, that's such a great point. And that is actually most of the people that come into my clinic, they've been struggling with rashes. Usually contact dermatitis presents with eczema. Um, there are other other types of, you know, rashes that rarely can happen, but usually it's like scaly bumps that are very itchy. And it is very hard to differentiate based on what it looks like. Is this just your immune system acting up? You know, you're, maybe you had eczema as a child, or now have you become allergic to something that you've been putting on your skin? The other thing that makes it really tricky is unlike like with peanut allergies, where like you eat, you know, you know, like you're, you eat the peanut and then you're, you start having hives or anaphylaxis. These reactions yeah. are delayed. So they can happen like 48 hours after the exposure. And so, and, and the chemicals that cause these reactions are ubiquitous. So like 
for example, fragrances are actually a very common cause of reactions. And they're in, you know, it's in your shampoo, it's in your face wash, it's in your cleanser. And so how would somebody even figure that out? Because they're getting exposed to the trigger like multiple times a day, you know? Um, So it's super tricky. The way that we figure it out, of course, is through a process called patch testing, where um, we test, you know, we, we place adhesive patches on somebody's skin with the individual chemicals. We leave it in place for 48 hours and then we look for a delayed reaction. And it is like you said, and that's what, you know, I've personally suffered from contact dermatitis and, um, uh, my, my co-founder, Dr. Fox did as well. And I, I will tell you about that later, but that was one of the things that really compelled us to do this because you realize like, you are not thinking about this when you're doing that 10 step skincare routine, but there are risks. And once you're allergic, you can't get rid of it. You have to then the rest of your life, find products that don't have the chemicals. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it's, it's hard to find out, but the way that you can limit the chances of this happening is by choosing products that are truly hypoallergenic. And I want to actually ask you about that because what is truly like, what is the definition of being like hypoallergenic as a product like what what should we be looking for because I, I mean we know that there are so many ingredients now you know in every product like every time you pick up a skincare product there's like so many ingredients so t- i mean for a consumer to pinpoint what they're allergic to that's got to be so hard you know what i mean so if you could walk us through the definition of uh, you know being a hypoallergenic product that'd be great totally um and and so hypoallergenic there is no formal definition or criteria right like every these chemicals that can cause allergies um what we call sensitizers some of them are likely to cause allergies in a lot of people um and so those are strong sensitizers so that would be something i would say is not hypoallergenic and then there are things that are like pretty pretty innocuous but in some people will cause allergies people who are very sensitive um and so it's hard to say um what's important to know is that the FDA does not regulate the term hypoallergenic and so when you go to you know CVS Walgreens and you have maybe you have eczema or you're more mindful about ingredients and you start looking you're going to say you're going to be like oh well I can pick a product that says hypoallergenic and surely this was somehow uh, vetted right but it's not mm. there's no minimum definition and so um, many of those products are, but many of them are not. And, uh, and unfortunately that's because there's no regulation. Um, and that's important to know that that's different from the situation in Europe and Canada, for example, there's a chemical that I won't bore you too much with my chemical stories. Um, but this is a pretty shocking one. I think there's a chemical called methoisothiazolinone. It's a preservative and mm-hmm. it's caused these like epidemic of reactions, uh, over the years. Um, and it's now been banned in Europe and in Canada in leave-on products like a moisturizer and in cleansers and things that wash off, it's been restricted to 15 parts per million. Um, in the U.S., there's no regulation. And so believe it or not, it is an, it is still in a bunch of our products. Um, it's still weekly a cause of contact dermatitis in my clinic. And um, I've even once in a while found it in products that are like dermatologist approved or hypoallergenic. So, Mm. you know, it's a very, it's very challenging for consumers because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, I would say an easy thing to do if you want to look for stuff that's hypoallergenic is starting with fragrance free because that's a little bit easier to identify. That makes sense. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was found in so many of our products. And I feel like that is the case, right? Like, I mean, I feel like Europe and Asia are so 
far ahead with their regulations than we are. I just I just wonder like why we are not catching up, you know, faster. Like in terms of FDA kind of I mean, I know FDA is stepping in now, but I wish they were just things were more regulated. I really do. Because it, it needs to be. I mean, I know so many people that have had terrible reactions. You know what I mean? Whether it's like immediate or delayed, like you said, it's always like I've always known people that have like either and they always say, you know, I have very sensitive skin, but then that makes you also wonder. You know, is it because you have very sensitive skin or is it just because you've been using something very sensitizing for a long time? You know, so it's Absolutely. like, your skin, yeah, it's easily triggered at that point. But um, I want to ask you, you know, um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about, you know, Vetted Derm Lab. I know that's your brand. And I, um, by the way, I, I absolutely adore it. And I want to learn more about it in, in terms of why you created it. What was the process behind it? And, you know, the real vision, if you could share that with us. Yeah. So, um. Basically, you know, I uh, I worked with my two co-founders, Nina Bottle and Lindy Fox. They're the three of us were, are all dermatologists, and Dr. Bottle and I do patch testing, contact dermatitis, and um, Dr. Fox is like a world-renowned medical dermatologist. Dr. Bottle is was actually my mentor in patch testing. Um, she's like the most generous and amazing clinician. Um, and mm-hmm. we were kind of brought together through this serendipitous situation. Uh, we were all at UCSF together, um, and um, Dr. Fox developed uh, contact dermatitis, and um, you know Nina Patch tested her, and um, then I also had I I actually posted about it the other day. I had like this horrible case of perioral dermatitis, would not get better. It was so embarrassing because I'm like a dermatologist. I was a resident at the time, and Nina patch tested me, and then I found out I was allergic to a bunch of stuff and um, got better. And Lindy and I um, realized when we, you know, when we had to start looking for products that were hypoallergenic and didn't have our allergens, that there were very few options um, in terms of like high performance truly hypoallergenic skincare that didn't feel medicinal, you know, Mm -hmm. that gave you a beauty experience and allowed you to kind of indulge in that experience and do something anti-aging for your skin. So that sort of started the process. You know, it's something we see every day in clinic. Um, And then like, we kind of just were like, why? I mean, this is crazy. We're all academic dermatologists. You know, we do research. None of us are in, none of us are on social media at the time. Um, And we were like, but we should just do this. Like, this is so important. There's a gap in the market and, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people creating products, but there's nobody out there that has the particular expertise that we have, where we, we literally talk about chemicals all day in our practice um, with touch testing. And we, we just felt compelled to solve this clinical problem for our patients. So we kind of did it backwards. I love that. I mean, I love that you actually went and had a problem that you were solving and you actually experienced. I think a lot of times, um, you know, as clinicians, like we can all, we can often forget that, you know, there's a whole, there's a gap between how someone's feeling, you know, you know what I mean? Like the patient's feeling a certain way versus the way you see it as a doctor, you know what I mean? So I think that's a really unique story that you have that, you know, that you, it's founded in experience, um, both obviously professional and personal. So that's, that's huge. Um, so what were, what were some of the things like for vetted that you wanted to keep out of the formulas, you know, what were the, the big no-nos for you in terms of ingredients? Yeah. So we have a very long list on our website, but basically we were, um, you know, the, the main new addition is, 
very strict criteria of hypoallergenicity. So we basically excluded all the common chemicals that we patch test to that we know cause reactions in people, um, which meant that we had to find different surfactants and different preservatives um, and get, had to get creative, um, you know, things that are less commonly used um, to make the formulations work. Um, but we also, in addition to that, so we did, you know, we used all the epidemiologic data that we have. And actually, Nina is part of this very prestigious research group um, that collects data on patch test results in North America. And then they publish these large, you know, ev every year, like updates on like, what are the common allergens? So in addition to using all that data, we also wanted to um, engage with the concept of clean beauty when we thought about our chemicals. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's a big part of what we wanted to do too, because I think we, we, we see we saw a lot of promise in the clean beauty movement, um, but we felt like this concept was missing. Um, we know that, for example, a lot of clean beauty, there's research that clean beauty products, 94% um, of them have common allergens. You know, wow. so we wanted to incorporate that. So other things that we included in the vetting process was, you know, we, we wanted to look at data about sustainability was something ethically sourced? Um, is it toxic? So like, is there actually credible evidence that this is an endocrine disruptor or, you know, is this, so we would try to sort of vet it on all those different tiers. And then the few chemicals that made it through are the ones you see in our formulations. Wow. That's interesting because I think that there's this real, like, I feel like it's, it's happening right now in the industry and maybe you've noticed it as well, but I think a whole category is forming and I like to call it like clinically clean beauty and mm -hmm. i the reason i say that is because it's founded by professionals such as yourself you know it's created mm -hmm. is a whole niche that's being created where people are now realizing that you don't have to compromise efficacy you know you don't have to compromise results and actually getting what you want out of your skincare but then you also know that it's clean and it's still vetted by dermatologists you know what i mean it's it's backed by dermatologists it's something that works and you know you're not going to harm yourself. So I think it's a very interesting category. And that's why I'm like, I'm really intrigued by, you know, the the whole hypoallergenic thing and the response that, or the, sorry, the route that you've taken, because I think it's very novel. You know, um, a lot of times when you see these kind of brands pop up, it's really under that umbrella. Like, you know, Clean has had this very misleading umbrella, I think, with the term clean beauty for a long time. And I, I've just never been a fan of it as a consumer, but I am a fan of, you know, something created by someone such as yourself and your team and, and your colleagues. And, you know, that is it rooted in science, you know, but it's just not going to make you, you know, have allergic reactions or break out unnecessarily and stuff. That's huge. You know, so I, I really applaud you for that because it's definitely, a, I think, a new niche in our industry. Thank you. Yeah. And we, that's exactly, you, you perfectly captured it. We thought, Hey, clean beauty is awesome. The concept, right? Like the, yeah. I'm a, we're all moms, right? And I think that's really informed my thinking about everything I do. I'm like, we have a footprint on the planet. The beauty industry has a footprint. I want to make sure that, you know, we are having a good impact. So like sustainability, recyclable, that's, all, you know, non-toxic, that's all awesome. But a lot of it is not evidence-based. And yeah, our experience was like these clean beauty products, one, they don't really work. Yeah. And two, like essential oils are super sensitizing. So it, it's actually like, I see every single week patient co patients come into my practice and they're like, well, you know, I've, I've, they come in with their suitcase. They're like, I've spent thousands, I've switched to all clean beauty and my eczema is still out of control. So I just don't understand. And I'm like, well, 
it's probably because actually you switched to clean beauty products that your eczema is out of control. So we wanted to not have people make that compromise. And the piece that you mentioned that is like, you know, we're like, we know what works. There's a lot of evidence behind vitamin C, retinoids, you know, niacinamide, ceramides. And so we're like, it was avoiding all the bad stuff. And then like, we should formulate products with stuff that there's a lot of evidence for, not like, you know, not stuff that's like hyped up and gimmicky and, you know, it's it's exciting one day without a lot of evidence and gone the next. Exactly. No, exactly. And I'm glad you did that. You know, you brought up a really, like one of the ingredients you brought up is like very near and dear to my heart. I've done a lot of like actual, like, you know, bench research on it as well. Um, and written papers about it and that's niacinamide. And I, I kid you not, every time someone wants to like, you know, come down on niacinamide, I feel like I'm, it's like, like personal protector like I love niacinamide I think it's just such a great like niacin is just so great and I think a lot of the ingredients that you mentioned to add to your point like they're you're right they're tried true and there's data like you know we can't argue with that at the end of the day like if you have about 50 papers proving the efficacy of something like you have to go with that right like and and the scientific mind comes in you know that's what kicks in when you see these ingredients that are working and i love seeing brands like yours that are saying no we're going to stick to the stuff that's working we're going to stick to the stuff there's actual research behind because you're right clean beauty i feel like it has been for so long this playground of made in the kitchen beauty you know what i mean like made in someone's freaking barn you know like i don't it's just like i i don't believe in that you know as a scientist myself i can't sit here and say that you can make a skincare line in non-controlled environments you know what i mean and add whatever you want and all that stuff it's just not logical and so i don't don't want it on my skin if you made it in your kitchen (laughs) i know me neither Me neither. And I I think there's nothing wrong with us boldly being able to say that. But, you know, it's really, really nice to know that there are, you know, um, entrepreneurs, you know, slash doctors like yourself that are taking it on now. You know what I mean? Like you're taking this space on and you're saying it can still be clean, but we're going to do it right. You know, like, you know, screw the bullshit. So I think that's great. And I want to ask you, like, how many SKUs are in the line and how did you know, like, you know, starting off, this is what we want to create and this is the amount of products we want to make or how was that process? Yeah. So we basically were like, we, we want to give people what we do every day. Like we want to, I want to create a product that I want to use every day and is everything that I'm going to use, you know? So we made a cleanse. We have five products, five SKUs. We have a cleanser, um, we have an M- our M1 moisturizer, which is a lighter moisturizer. Um, you know, some people like to use it a year- during the day. Um, it's it's great if you have more oily skin. Our M2 is our rich moisturizer. Um, it's packed with like phospholipids and um, is really rich. Um, I like to use that at night. You know, if, if some people like to use it morning and night if you have more dry skin or more mature skin. Um, and then we have our two serums, which are our vitamin C serum, um, which is, you know, we like to use in the morning with sunscreen and then our retinoid serum. And truly, I think if you ask most dermatologists, those are the mm-hmm. things they do. Like most dermatologists are not using toner. We're not using like hyaluronic acid. Um, there's a lot of other stuff, you know, bakushiol, whatever, like those are kind of the tried and true ingredients with a ton of efficacy behind them. And we were like, if you're going to invest in a product, invest in something that you know is going to work and it's high quality. And that that's what I do every day. And I, and um, 
that's what we started with. We have dreams of additional SKUs, but you know, we this is sort of where we landed in terms of like what is absolutely essential um, to offer as a starting point. Interesting. I like that. And I, I think that's that's a fair range. That's nice that you have a, you know, you have options, but it's not like too cluttered. I like that. You know, because I think there is a lot to be said about brands that have like about 50 different products, you know, <laughs> like in not in the best way, because I think you're just confusing people at that point, you know, and I, I'm not a fan of that. But I think, you know, when you give the option of a lighter and a, and, you know, more like richer option in terms of moisturizers or serums, I think that's fair. and That's a good thing to have that. And more importantly, I want to know, um, you know, because you are using these like tried and true ingredients, I would love to hear about what your version of like a good retinoid product is. Like, what do you think, or well, what went into yours? You know, if you could explain that, because a lot of times we get questions about retinol and retinol or any of the vitamin A derivatives. And people always ask me, you know, Ecta, is it important? Like, do I need a retinoid? And I'm like, well, I'm not a dermatologist. So now that I have you, I want to ask you, you know, <laughs> what is a good retinoid product? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think um, if you're going to do anti-aging, uh, that is the most apt, like that's the essential product you've got to do. Um, it just has so many benefits for the skin. You know, in addition to anti-acne, it's, um, you know, smooths out, like evens out skin tone, improves texture, all the things that uh, associate we associate visibly with aging, retinoids address. Um, and so that's that's something is in the core of my anti-aging regimen that I recommend for all my patients. And I think there's two things you want to be looking for. One, you want to look for the most powerful retinoid that you can tolerate for your skin. And so if you are someone with oily skin, you've never, you know, you don't have irritation then go for tretinoin, you know, um, the prescription strength. And that might work really well for you. But if you are someone with more sensitive skin and every time you use tretinoin, you get days of peeling and you can't use it more than twice a week, then it really makes sense to find a retinoid that um, your skin is able to tolerate on a daily basis because consistency is what's going to translate to results over time. So we use hydroxypinacolone retinoate, which is a newer retinoid that um, targets the retinoid receptor directly. And it's been shown in studies to not only be more stable than other over-the-counter retinoids, um, you know, in terms of like stability to temp, you know, to against things like temperature and um, oxidation over time, um, but also it's a lot less irritating. And in some studies at high concentrations, it's comparable to tretinoin. So it kind of ticks all the boxes and I really think is is a really exciting uh, ingredient that I think is going to blow up. I'm starting to see a lot of other brands incorporate HPR as well. But then there's the other piece, because if you're putting something on your skin that's going to exfoliate your skin, you know, and kind of um, in a way expose your barrier a little more, you want to make sure that you don't have other things in there that are sensitizers. And so, and that's what I see in some of the other brands that have HPR or have retinoids. It's like, you have a retinoid, but then you're putting fragrance, you have propylene glycol, you have vitamin E. And you know, those are the things over time, you're putting that in your skin over and over again. Um, and you're going to increase the risk that you're going to get sensitized. And so that's what we try to do with our retinoid. We have the HPR, we have squalene, which helps repair the barrier. So it kind of nicely balances out that like peeling and dryness that retinoids can cause. Um, yeah. And it doesn't have any of the other common sensitizers that um, could be a problem for you. I love that. Yeah, I haven't heard of HPR yet. That's interesting that you mentioned that because I literally was making a video the other day 
for my TikTok where it was about trying to explain to people like the different, you know, different steps of turning vitamin A, you know, into actual tretinoin that binds to receptors and all that good stuff. But and that's interesting that it binds directly to the receptor. So the potency is probably a lot higher than your conventional retinol products then. Yes, um, for sure. Yeah. So I'm curious about that because wouldn't, I mean, see, this is, this is where I get a little, like it get, becomes a gray area for me because um, I feel like when products are very potent and they're working, you know, for example, like you said, at the receptor site, is that something we should be mindful of, you know, um, as consumers in terms of allergy and reactions? Like, can that inc increase the risk of having allergic reactions or does it actually lower it? Um, well, I think it's a little bit more complicated because so as an allergen, uh, retinoids in general are very, they're not really a common cause of allergies, but they yeah. are a common cause of irritant dermatitis. So it's not um, the, the, the effects of retinoids aren't due to, you know, T cells recognizing the retinoids and then um, causing an immune response when they're exposed. Usually it's just because they cause all this like epidermal turnover and then you get scaling and irritation. Um, and in the studies, it actually was a lot less irritating than tretinoin. Um, and mm. so that's the sort of reason why for us, it was kind of an optimal candidate for our retinoid, uh, for a retinal serum, because it is so much less irritating. And we also have ongoing clinical trials, which we should be, um, you know, publishing on our and, and uh, reporting on our, our site um, in the next few months. I love that. Thank you for answering that. Yeah, because I'm, I asked because I am like, for example, me, I am uh, allergic to benzoyl peroxide. And uh -huh. I kid you not, whenever I talk to any germ, they're like, oh, you're, you're joking. I'm like, no, I really am. I'm, I'm terribly allergic to it. The only skincare uh, ingredient I can't use. And, you know, um, I've had so many times where I've gone to germs and they've prescribed it to me. And, um, you know, in my younger years, I'd use it. Right. And then I didn't yeah. realize when I was older that I was allergic to it because I was using it in other OTC products. and I didn't know that it had it. And I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh, I am really allergic to this, you know, and it's a common ingredient. It's a common thing that you're prescribed, you know, from the doctor. So that's why I ask. And I think it's, you know, again, it feeds back to what you were saying, where it's like, you know, we just have to we have to know you know, what is known to be, you know, an allergen and what's not. And I remember when I had looked into like benzoyl peroxide, for example, I noticed there were a lot of people that had an allergy to it, you know, so I think it helps to kind of dig in, you know, if you're a consumer, like dive into like these ingredients and, and understand if you are or not allergic to it yourself so that you can, you know, look for it further. But um, that's really cool about the retinol though. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, how HPR, like the results of it uh, as compared to normal. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're absolutely right, by the way. Benzoyl peroxide is commonly an irritant, but it can also be an allergen. And we patch test to it sometimes. So if oh, you were cool. here in, in Dallas, I would patch test you to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm sure like I, I I just think that people didn't believe me because it was so, you know what I mean, so readily available, yes. you know? Yes. So and prescribed. So, but yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a better world now that we live in and, you know, people go the extra mile to figure out these kind of things and, and that's great. But I, I want to actually ask you, I know that you have vitamin C as well. I think, um, is it a, a special kind of like stabilized vitamin C that you're using or, um, what's, yeah. What is that for yeah, for sure. So we have, um, it's a combination of, uh, tetrahexyl desyl ascorbate and ascorbyl tetraisopalmitate. Okay. I yeah. said it. 
<laughs> uh, it's hard to say it sometimes. Um, these are a lipophilic vitamin C derivatives. And so we know that, you know, one of the issues with vitamin C's is that they often don't even get absorbed by the skin. And so these lipophilic derivatives we know are absorbed by the skin. Um, and we stabilize them with ferulic acid, which has its own antioxidant properties, um, but, and, and it's a 15% concentration. So it's, you know, comparable to some of what we call medical grade, which by the way, isn't a real term either, but it's comparable to some of the medical grade, really expensive vitamin C serums, but doesn't have, um, any of the sensitizers like propylene glycol, fragrance, vitamin E that are often added in there to neutralize the smell, the ferulic acid, or, you know, um, for added potential added benefit like vitamin E, for example, but can cause allergies. Right. That, no, that's really cool though, because I know vitamin C has come a long way. You know, we've come a long way with vitamin C now, I think in terms of formulation. So that's good to know that because, you know, for me personally, I cannot stand like the, the products that have like, say like 20% vitamin C, you know what I mean? I'm just like, why, why are we doing this? Like we do not need 20% vitamin C, but I think it's important to know, like, you know, if an ingredient is stabilized versus not, and that'll help a lot in your consumer decisions because you want results at the end of the day. And especially with something like an antioxidant, you know, vitamin C is known to be an antioxidant, as all of us know, for everyone listening. You want the, the you know, the version of the molecule that's going to last long enough to be an antioxidant, you know? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, that's so right, Etta. It, you know, you see these vitamin C serums um, that are packaged with droppers and you're just yeah. like, every time you open that bottle, it's getting oxidized and it turns yellow and, you know, then it doesn't work anymore. Um, exactly. And it's one of the most challenging things I think for consumers. And I totally get it. I mean, as a dermatologist, it's like it, if it wasn't, if I wasn't a founder and I had spent so much time deciding what to put on my product, it's so hard to figure out what is stable, you know, and then like vi pure vitamin C sounds so great, but you have to have such an acidic pH uh, that it is so irritating for most people to have pure vitamin C in their product. And like you said, it's like 20% vitamin C sounds fabulous, but then if you can only use it once a week because you start to break out in rashes, if you use it more often, then again, not going to translate to results. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's that consistency that that really matters. And, you know, that actually, you know, I have a big question for you about, you know, just if you do have sensitive skin, or you're having an allergic reaction to something that you've used, what do you recommend, you know, people do in that situation? Do you just completely leave your skin alone? I mean, do you even cleanse your skin at that point? Or would you recommend just using water? I think if you're having a reaction, I would, the first thing I would do is like take away the actives, yeah. um, you know, vitamin C and retinoids, because those things can definitely be, they're, they're common causes of irritation, serums, all of that. Um, I, I, you know, we still want to cleanse, you still want to moisturize, but you, I would use stuff that's really basic, not, you know, non-soap, uh, stuff that's hypoallergenic and try to do kind of like a skin diet where you kind of really pare it down and, mm -hmm. um, try to see if, you know, adding back one thing at a time, you can figure out what the trigger is. But the funny, the funny thing that people don't realize is like, it's not just about what you put on your face, like your hair products, for example, can also cause rashes on your face, your acrylic nails can cause rashes in your eyelids. So it's very complicated. Um, but what I usually do when my patients are having reactions, you know, we treat them, we give them some topical medications, I put them on what I call like a skin diet, which is like a list of products, 
that are like safe, you know, that I've personally vetted the ingredient lists. Um, and then we see if they get better. And a lot of times they do. And then that's when I say, Hey, you're probably allergic to something in your products. So we should patch test you. I love that. And I, I, I like that approach. I like what you said about hair washing as well. I think that's huge actually, because, and not talked about enough, in my opinion, I remember even as a teenager, that was one of my problems. I was using like one of those huge, like, uh, you know, like the big drugstore brands and I was always breaking out. And I think when I switched shampoos is when I really saw like a difference in my acne, you know, like I hadn't even like, even though I was using product for my acne treatment, you know, I was like doing what my germs said. I was on antibiotics. I was doing all these things. But yeah, yeah. the shampoo I was using was causing me to break out. And it was, I had no idea, you know, like at all. And, you know, I've known people that I've had, like, for example, I don't know if you've seen it a lot in your practice, but like uh, the scalp, like they get little bumps all over their scalp and they're like, why am I getting this all of a sudden? And you don't, yeah. you don't realize it, but it's shampoo, you know, sometimes like it's your hair care product. So that's huge. I think that's a huge conversation that the industry needs to have, you know, in terms of like what people are putting in these hair care products, because they're definitely causing reactions. Oh, totally. And you pair like a sur powerful surfactants that are meant to cleanse, remove all the oils, you know, cleanse your scalp and yeah. a bunch of sensitizers and you've got a recipe for disaster. So yeah, you know, our vet, it's maybe going next. <laughs> yeah, no, I was gonna ask you. <laughs> That's good though. That's exciting. You just gave me a really cool sneak peek into that. I mean, I I really love your brand though. I mean, it, my skin's been loving it. You know, it's really really easy on the skin. And like I said, you know, I really believe in this new niche. You know, it's clinically clean skincare. It works. And you know, for everyone listening out there, if you are somebody who has really sensitive skin, or even somebody who worries about, you know exacerbating something you already have like eczema or any kind of condition this is the brand i mean this is a wonderful brand it will not cause any you know further problems or even create problems because i know right now not even just fragrances dr woodruff i feel like the fragrances people are becoming more privy and understanding that you know we don't want fragrance in our product but i'm noticing even with the preservatives that certain brands yeah. use you know so yeah. like it's huge. It's a huge thing. Like I think even preservatives are becoming gated now to where we need to reevaluate that whole model and think of what what are we using. But your brand is so good. Like it's it's so so gentle, but it's it works, and I I've really loved it so far. So oh, that makes me so happy. I mean, it yeah. took so long for us to find a lab that was willing to work with us because they were all like, "You guys are crazy." We don't do it like that. We tell you what goes in the product. You tell us what the product is supposed to be like, like reverse engineering, you know, and um, finally we found a wonderful lab. And I can tell you, Dr. Erica, there were so many iterations because all of us, it, it was just so important for us that we created something that we ourselves wanted to use, you know, and um and and I we landed there like we we all love it. That is what I use all the time. Um, and I'm so happy to hear that you enjoyed it, too. Absolutely. No, I love the brand. And for everyone listening, um, I will be, you know, tagging obviously everything in the concept art for this episode. But I really urge you guys check out Vetted Derm Lab. It's a great line. It's a great set of products. And like Dr. Woodruff mentioned, there's something there for you. You know, it's it's just enough. In my opinion, you have just enough SKUs that are it's versatile enough for you to find what works for you and again you know especially I don't know if anyone else is like this but for me my skin is very finicky in the winter months you know it's really like as if I have brand new skin it's like I have a 
a whole different set of problems, you know, that arise <laughs> in the winter. So I think for the winter, I always gravitate more like gentle lines, gentle products, you know, things that are just not going to make it like freak out. And I, I can definitely see myself just being on this routine for the winter and using bedded and being, you know, content because I think that's what all you really need is like really good products that work. And as long as they're not messing with your skin or drying it out in the win winter, I think it's, it's solid. So I'm a huge fan. Um, and I, I hope that everyone listening, you guys check it out. I will tag everything there, but if you have any questions for me or any questions for Dr. Woodruff and her team, please reach out, let us know. We'll pass them along. But Dr. Woodruff, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much. You too. This was so much fun. Thank you, Dr. Ekta. Thank you. And for everyone listening, I'll be back next time.